Hello, my name is Xavier Mercado, and this is Spearhead Conversations. Today, I am joined by special guest, Promise. He's a Milwaukee native that has been blessing the airwaves for about seven years now. Um, I've been following his content, and it's great. Uh, He's a host on a radio station, shout out 105.7, and he's also a comedian. I, I, you know, just from what I've seen, it, it's been amazing. So, um, I reached out, and he, and he answered. So, uh, I'm happy about it. Without further ado, how you doing? Promise, man, I'm good, Xavier. How you feeling, bro? I'm feeling good, man. <laughs> just got back from LA. Yeah, I, I see you out here making moves, man. How yeah. was Cali? Cali was good, man. Uh, it was gloomy. <laughs> <laughs> Got one sunny day. Uh, went to the Dodgers game, Yankees versus the uh, the Dodgers. Nice. That was a beautiful uh, stadium. Um, I'm from the South Bronx. I was I was born in the South Bronx, but Word. I was raised here. That's so, that's where I, that, I'm, my mom's side of my family from Milwaukee. My father's side is from the South Bronx. Look at you. See, look no at you. Find something new every day. <laughs> yeah, no care. But um, you know, I had that Yankee jersey on. It's yeah. the only time outside of the Brewers. <laughs> no, you, you're supposed to rep out there. Yeah. I respect it. Trust, trust me. And in, in the closet, I got a couple Yankee fittings. That's right, All man. All the rest brew crew, but I got a couple Yankee fittings for the culture. <laughs> yeah. But it was awesome, man. It was an experience, you know. And um, it really the the move that we made out there. It's it, the result of it will show in the work that we have coming in the next couple months. So yeah, it was it was a it was a great experience. Well, let me start this off before you even get into my, you know, story. I want to commend and salute everything you've been doing with Spearhead. Um, since I've caught wind of you, man, I, I want to commend you for how you've been moving, how you've been uh, using your story and your journey to help others sh- share theirs. And you've been really um, spotlighting and highlighting a lot of different dope people in the city. Um, yeah. and, and you've been consistent with it and it's been quality. So I want to salute you for everything you got going. And thank you for bringing bro, me you on. you about to make me tear up. No. <laughs> This nah, early it's real, bro. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta support and show each other, yeah. you know, love, and and we gotta give each other uh, our due. You know what I'm saying? We gotta yeah. give each other credit. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? And and this is what it's all about. It, yeah. It's it's showing that our city is more than just these negative stereotypes. It's a lot more to offer in the city. And for it, sure. it it just goes to show that all different walks of life, when you set your mind to things, you can do it. It took me 32 years, but. That age is just a number, For sure. you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, with that being said, it's just pushing forward, trying to leave something for our youth. Our youth need it more than ever, especially coming out of a pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's it's just it, the, the journey is so worth it, and it's become a passion of mine. And, you know, it wouldn't be possible without people like you. So I do appreciate you coming on, For sure. sharing your time. And, um, yeah. Man, we here. Yeah, we here. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, let's jump in. So where were you born? Born and raised right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. man. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, what part of Milwaukee are you from? Man, I, I never can claim one side. Like, mm-hmm. I, I lived everywhere, you know what I'm saying? The majority of my life, I grew up on the north side, but I've lived in a lot of different pockets of the city. So I think yeah. that's one thing that's dope about me. Like, I lived in a lot of different neighborhoods. Um mm-hmm. Got to experience a lot of different things. And especially as I grew up, I ventured out and went to other places. I remember when, like, 
it was like pockets of Milwaukee where it's like you didn't go here if you wasn't this type of person, if you wasn't this ethnic background. And once I got of a certain age, I'm like, man, I'm going to go anywhere in the city I want to go. Because at (laughs) times, Milwaukee can be a box, you know what I'm saying? And once I got to a certain point, I'm like, no, I'm going to maneuver wherever I want to go. I'm going to pull up wherever I feel like I can be in any circle. I'm I'm myself regardless of wherever I'm at. So I've been able to kind of blend and go all over the city in different pockets. That's beautiful, man. You know, I, I love Milwaukee, man. It, it's such a hidden gem, and I don't think people realize it. They look at it as this small, small city, but really it's... It's it's, it's the, a big, small city, it's if a I big, can say that. It, yeah, it's the yeah. life within the city that makes it what it is. Right. Um, but how was your childhood? Now, you say you, you, you've lived in each side, yeah. different pockets. Lived but, all, all around the city, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um yeah, I mean, like I said a little bit earlier, my um my mother's side of the family is from here and my father's side is from the Bronx. So I mean yeah. essentially I'm half and half, half New York, half Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up, you know what I'm saying, here in the city. Sure. Um, you know what I mean, like like most kids, you know, I, I experienced a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? Um I was the youngest on 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 uh on my mother's side, my okay. father. Well, actually, I mean, I'm the youngest in general. But now mm-hmm. I got a baby brother now. But at that time, I was the youngest. Mm-hmm. So you know, when you the baby, yep. you the baby. You know what I'm saying? So, you get away with everything. <laughs> well, it, it can have it can have its benefits and it can have its disadvantages at yeah. times. But you know, I mean, for the most part, as a kid, I thought I grew up normal, whatever normal is. Yeah. It's not until you get older in life and you start understanding and realizing that everything isn't what you thought. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't understand the financial aspect of life at that time. So yeah. I'm not knowing that we really don't have money. I'm not knowing that things are not, you know, the way you would want them to be. At the yeah. time, it seems like it's normal, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Especially just getting love, right? One thing that was always in my household my mother and father always loved us. Yeah. So, you know, even if financial things weren't a certain way, the love was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, especially for the children. Even if my parents weren't in the best space, they always made sure that they that they loved us. But I remember, like, sometimes people thinking we had money. And yeah. I'm starting to convince myself, like, Mama, we got money. Like, we, <laughs> we rich. But, it, but sometimes you take things for granted because some of the other kids— were less fortunate than us, yeah. and the, maybe the basic things that we had mm-hmm. seemed like it was a lot, but yeah. in reality it wasn't. But just because these kids had even less, they looked at us a certain type of way, like, oh, they must have it. But, like, trust me, we definitely didn't have it. But, again, my mother did the best she could to yeah. make us as comfortable as she could, you know what I mean? But sure. now looking back, like, yeah, clothes was on little way. Like, things weren't always. Same here, man. You, you know what I mean? But at the time, like I said, but the way they treated us, Mm-hmm. We would feel like we we had everything, and they did their best to make sure we had the, the necessities that we did need to function. But, That's beautiful. But again, like I said, we definitely didn't grow up with a lot of money. Um, we definitely weren't loaded at all. You know what I mean? So That's kind of like the same for me. You know yeah. what I mean? My, my mom did the best she could, and I always, you know, pay that forward because, you know what I mean, as a single mother— um, I had a stepfather until the age of 13. Okay. And then he walked out. Yeah. And the way he walked out was just completely, it was like one day he's here, he's next gone. day he's gone. Okay. Um, but my mom did the best she could after. And, you know, I always, I always loved that about her and I always pay that respect. Um, but I, I, like how you were, like I always thought we had it. So yeah. we target and be like, Mom, can I get this toy? <laughs> Mom, come on, please, please. Not realizing the this situation. But you know, now obviously we're older. 
yeah. we look back and now you know i have kids i have four gotcha. and we with the baby even you know the baby is kind of like how we were yeah you know but um gotta love our parents yeah for sure like i love said our the, parents. The, the, the best thing that you know, like I said, I could ex- know that I experienced is I experienced love. Like I knew my mm-hmm. mother and father loved me I think regardless. That's, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. what was going on. And and you say 13 for you when your step pops left, 13 is the age where my mother and father split for good. Wow. So when I was probably like 13, mm-hmm. that was the last time I lived in a house with my father. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, their relationship was yeah. done. And they had had differences in the past where, like, somebody might, you know, they had, might have a moment, they break up, they get back together type thing. But when I think I was 13, mm-hmm. my father moved out for good, and that was a wrap. So at that point, it was me being raised by my mother primarily. Yeah. Um, at that time, my father was still in Milwaukee throughout my teenage years, but mm-hmm. the relationship wasn't the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was times where... I mean, he lived in the in the city, and I ain't even know where my pops was. Where I might have some of my homies or friends be like, "Yo, we seen your pops," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "I ain't seen him." You know what I mean? So we probably didn't really connect again until I remember, like, my senior year in high school. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I got a hold of him, I invited him to my high school graduation. Graduation, yeah, and I was super happy to see him. Like I said, on and off, we still will have communication here and there. But I got to the point where. I kind of had become hardened, so yeah. it wasn't like he wasn't reaching out at times, but because of the way it was, I didn't vibe with him. And yeah. me and my pops really didn't get good again until because my pops is back in New York. Yeah. Um, we really didn't get good again until he was back in New York. You know what I mean? It took mm-hmm. for me to become a man, for us to have certain dialogue and conversations um, to get back on a good page. But the constant in my life was my mother. So yeah. I'm not saying that my father wasn't there, that he didn't instill things in me. Mm-hmm. But in those pivotal years when I was a teen and stuff— um, I didn't have them in, in my life like I, I probably should have had. Them. You, you, I, I always felt with that age, it was I lost the man in my life when I needed him the most. Yeah, because that's middle school. That's like going into the battle. Yeah, that transition, you yeah. know, that transition For is sure. crazy. And then people take me off as being angry. I wasn't angry. I was just d- battling a lot on the home front. And, sure, and you know what I mean. It, I, but. My mom, I'm I'm a testament of her. You're a testament of your mother, sure. and you know it's it, it's the growth that we, we. It's a different type of appreciation, you know. Yeah, what absolutely. I mean? Like having, I mean, obviously, in an ideal situation, it w- it would be great for all kids to grow with both parents, mm-hmm. regardless if the um, the parents are in a relationship or not. It would be important to have both of those parents to to be involved in that life to help the kid grow to help the kid understand different things. Yeah, but it doesn't always work like that. But mm-hmm. like I said, regardless of the differences I did have with my father, I did know he loved me. I didn't necessarily always understand why he moved the way he moved, mm-hmm. um, but I did know that he, you know, he loved me. Yeah, and for, for sure. whatever reason, their relationship just didn't work out. But like I said, the dope thing is you get older, you grow, you evolve, and. Me and him got to the point where we had different type of conversations and mm-hmm. our relationship grew, even though he wasn't in the same city anymore. But the dialogue was better. Yeah, and me and my mother have always had a close relationship. So one thing that's dope about my mom, she never played my pops against me. You know how some parents, unfortunately, you know, yep. one parent, yep. play, you know, well, your mm-hmm. daddy this or your mama that. The cool thing is mom's never like made me feel a ty- certain type of way about my dad. The feelings I felt about my father were my own. Yep. So it wasn't like my mother was pumping something into me and vice versa. He wasn't pumping things in my head about, they allowed me to be my own person. And, and they, like I said, from the beginning, the foundation of love was there. And my father, one of the dopest things he ever put in me was God. Like mm-hmm. my introduction to 
having a belief in, in something bigger than myself was from my father. Yeah. So like I said, even though he wasn't as consistent as I would have liked him to be, especially in the pivotal years of my life, he put certain things in me from when I was a shorty mm-hmm. to where I took those things with me, like to speak up for myself. Um, I think I have the confidence at times in life because of my father. Yeah. I think I get my mouthpiece from my mom, yeah. but <laughs> my pops definitely like put a lot in me at, at a young age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I took a lot of the stuff that they gave me and I, and I ran with that. Well, you know, I, you're, you're sitting here in front of me, you're your own man. Sure. You know, Hey, let's, let's do this for your parents. Absolutely. <laughs> Shout out to moms and pops. Shout out to moms <laughs> and pops. So what hobbies were you into growing up? Yeah, um, initially sports. Speaking of pops, like at a young age, he put almost every type of sport in front of me. So that's one thing um, he encouraged. Like he, yeah. he was a big sports dude. So um, first thing, you know, I'm looking at, you know, football, basketball, boxing, um, baseball, he pretty much tried to teach me as much about sports as he could. Um, I even ran track. So initially I was into athletics a lot. But, man, I stopped growing at a certain point. <laughs> so, <laughs> Same struggle, I, bro. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, you know, that under six-foot life, you know how that goes. Yep, so I stopped right. growing at a certain point. Um, and besides sports, I started to take an interest into um, music at a young age. So mm-hmm. initially, like, I remember my life changed because on my wall, right, I used to have all the athletes on my wall. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, so like, yeah. Posters, everything on my wall was posters, right? Yeah. Everything was basketball. Like, And then one day, I don't know, it shifted. And like, I took all the athletes off and I put up rappers. And like, that's kind of when I knew, like, because, you know, Kobe came down. Next thing you know, Jay-Z go up. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Nas go Nas up. Master P go NY. up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then the ladies, too. I started, you know, liking girls. So now I got all the R&B singers. I got all you the got girls. You got Maya. Oh, of course. Oh, Maya's got there. Got Maya you know, Beyonce on the wall. Then I started putting up uh, the girls from the, you know, the bikinis and all of that. But, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but it shifted from sports. I really was into sports as a kid. And then... um I started getting into like entertainment. I started really being infatuated with. Would you with say music. that with the posters is your earliest memory of you finding out that you your love and love for music? No, I I think um, probably in 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 elementary school. Uh, actually, my music teacher, right, the yeah. one one early member memory I remember, he gave us an assignment one time, and um, it was like over the Christmas break, and I remember this. He was like, "Go home and watch." Um, a movie or show or whatever on mute. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? He's like, I want you to notice how different it is without music. Yeah. Like how important music is to everything. Yeah. And I remember going home and watching whatever I watched in it. And he was just like a scary movie. Isn't scary without the music. Yeah. The action sequence isn't action without the music. Like, he was embedding us how important music was to everything. The depth. The depth of, yeah. Yeah, so I remember that. And I remember him asking us to like make a song or come up with something and one of the first things I composed was I, I tried to write a rap. So, like, those are some of my earliest memories. And then being a kid listening to the radio, I remember mimicking the guys on the radio, not knowing fast forward in life I would do it, but mimicking the stuff I would hear yeah. on the radio and trying to act like a personality. So those are some of the earliest things I remember about, like, music and just, mm. like, kind of being a sponge. Along with your your music teacher, who were core influences music-wise that, that really made you find this passion that you have? Um... Man, like within the family, you know, like when you're a kid, you kind of listen to what's around you. And then you get to a certain point where, you know, parents have to adapt to kids, you know, so like, yep. 
parents started watching the cartoons that the kids watch. They <laughs> yeah. learn, you know. So it flipped. At one point, my mom started liking the stuff I listened to. But originally, like my parents, like I remember, like we were raised in the church as well. So gospel mm-hmm. was was prevalent in the home. But of course, as far as like. Uh, what they would call secular music, you know what I mean? Like R&B was definitely in the crib. So I remember like my mother, you know, um, stuff like Prince and, and Rick James and yep. SOS Band and and stuff like that. And then my dad was like big into Al Green and James Brown. Man. So like old school stuff like that. I got Marvin Gaye in the CD player. Listen, Marvin Gaye is one of my favorites <laughs> of all time. But they didn't put me on a Marvin. I called Marvin on my own. Yeah. But my parents would play, you know, stuff like that. And then I remember like, my 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 uncle and my my cousins like they would introduce me to a lot of the rap. So like I got a lot of the rap stuff from going over to my auntie house. Like they had like the fun house. Yeah, you know what I'm saying they would play like a lot of rap for me. So um, I got a lot of music just from the family at first. Just initially, what I might have heard in the house on the radio. Then when I go to my cousin's crib, they had like every CD. They had like everything that I could. They had the Source magazine. They had Vibe. So I would like look at the magazines at my cousin's crib. They would play different music for me, and I got exposed to a lot of that stuff. You know, being around them, and yeah. then eventually I was able to open up my palette. And like I remember, it really shifted because like I used to come home from school and be into like you know, like cartoons or superheroes, Power Rangers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then next thing you know, like I'm trying to see who on Rap City and like yeah. my brain just kind of starts 106 shifting. in Park, yeah, baby. Yeah, I'm watching 106 in Park, MTV. Like my mind started shifting. Mm-hmm. Like I said, even with the magazines, it went from Sports Illustrated and NBA and NFL to now I'm like, what's in Vibe? What's in XXL? I'm not interested yeah. in these artists. For me, it's it's always been music. That's how I timeline things. Okay. I, you you say a song, I could tell you what I was doing at that at time. time. That, yeah. that's, that's, music is a timestamp for sure. Yeah, that's the for beauty sure. And, and it, the, really what music has done is obviously what it's done for others, you know, through the times, uh, like hard times, it's, it's get you through and there's different songs for different feelings. But yeah, um, yeah man, I, I, I think it was special, the era we grew up in with yeah. music because uh, my teacher my teacher mr costello okay which um i finally got him in an interview with two, really two other educators of mine Dope. growing up okay um, had to pay homage man these yeah. these the origin story yeah man <laughs> um but he he had a segment during his class for poetry Okay. And that's how I got into playing with words. Nice. You know, I always say this, you know, Jay-Z Nas. Yeah. People go with Jay-Z because obviously he's a trendsetter, but me, I'm I'm more towards the lyricism of things and, yeah. and with in depth how he gets into his lyricism. No, that's called my favorite rapper. Yeah, yeah. for sure, bro. Yeah. That's that's literally what it is. So but I've always been fascinated by putting words together. Okay. And uh, with music, I mean I, I had my own little stint. No, no, no. I had my little stint. For sure. <laughs> I love what you do. Shout out to Geek Set. <laughs> Shout out to the homies at Geek Set. What, what was your rap name? Ah, uh, man. Uh, it started off as Virtue. Okay. And then the, I ended it with Hybrid. Okay. Be- because I always... The, <laughs> music and what I listen... I listen to all types of music, but I can sing country and I can I can rap. So you felt you... It's a hybrid. So I hybrid. Okay. Also being Puerto Rican... Okay. I just found out on that ancestry <laughs> test, bro. Twenty-three and me. Shout out. I'm thirty I'm thirty percent West African. Right. Yeah, man. Okay. And then I'm fifty-six percent um Spanish Portuguese. Okay. It's just it's there. You yeah. know, it's but uh, that's why I went with that name hybrid. It just it just correlated with everything and with it, your whole life. But um 
I love music. I love lyricism and I love music. I, I think, you know, without music, man, um, kind of how what your teacher did for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 it is that. It gives it's everything. This, it's the soundtrack to life. It's the essence. You know, no matter yep. what type of music you like to listen to and, it, and it's incorporated in everything. Like we said, from film to television mm-hmm. to sports to, I mean, what I do on the radio. You know what I mean? Like music yep. is a soundtrack. You, you need it. It sets a scene. It sets a mood. Yeah. What age did you feel like you came into your form where music is something you were going to pursue? Um, pro- I don't know. Like, Because like in middle school, like I probably got more interested. Like I said, that was me really. Yeah. I remember at one point, like I cared about the credits, right? Like I wanted to see who produced. I learned about production. So That's I wanted awesome. to know who produced what, who wrote what, like. Yep. Um, I was more what is an executive producer like I remember asking my cousin I'm like yo why on the back of this you know this CD does it say executive producer what, is, what does that mean so I kind of got more interested in it at that point but as far as like wanting to be involved yeah probably between middle school and high school like when yeah. I got into high school um, I had more of an interest in, in just being involved in the music industry in some capacity at one point I wanted to own my own record label I used to look at like Puff I used to look at like Russell yeah. Simmons, you know, Jay-Z and mm-hmm. Master P and Dr. Dre, all these guys. And I used to be like, y'all want to be a mogul. Yeah. I didn't even know what it was. And I found out what an entrepreneur and a mogul was. So I wanted to go that route at one point. I wanted to have a, a clothing line. I wanted to have a record label. I wanted to make movies. Like, I just wanted to be involved in entertainment. So yeah. it would be hard for me to focus in school. Because, like, I'm supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? My mind is everywhere else but whatever subject we in. I'm I'm in the notebook writing yep. out ideas or concepts. And I remember my mom, like, I wish you focus on, you know, your school as much as you know all these rappers and all these. Because I knew, like, everything about everything when it yep. involved entertainment and music. I was fascinated with that stuff. And it's like I couldn't focus on what I was supposed to focus on. So I think probably that transition from middle school to high school, like, my brain was like, this is what I want to do. You know, yeah. I want to be involved in this industry, but you know, life has a very interesting path, and what happened over my next couple of years to pivot. But yeah, man, it's just crazy how music is just so tied up in in, in the lives yeah. of people. Um, you have a nickname, I got, yeah, a lot of you nicknames. got a lot of nicknames, yeah. but the one that stands out for me is P Rock. Yeah, how did you get that nickname? Well, how did that come about? I was given a name P Rock probably when I was like nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> anybody who yeah, like anybody who know there's certain people who like my my grandma called me that you know what I'm saying like it's certain people who just know like that's my nickname you know what I'm saying like I got yeah. that name when I was nine my big brother oh um, he nicknamed me P Rock yeah so kind of going back to that story about that music teacher mm-hmm. um, he he gave us that homework assignment about making an original song or whatever. So I remember trying to figure out a song, how I was going to make the, the, a concept or whatever. And um, talking to my big brother, I'm like, yo, I'm like, I want to make, make a song. He's like, what do you want to make? I'm like, I want to make a rap song. And he's like, he's like, well, you got to have a name. He's like, everybody who rap, like, they got to have a name. And he's like, so you, you got to come up with a name. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, so I'm thinking, you know, Snoop Dogg is great. So I'm like, I'm going to be p Dog. He like, negative. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. So I'm like, I don't like Snoop Dogg P. They like, nah, fam. Like, so Dude was like, no. Negative. Um, and 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 besides P so prior to P Rock, like, my father has always called me P. And to this day, like a lot of my closest friends, like, if you super close to me, like nobody called me promise. Okay. Nah, like everybody called me P. P. Like that's mm-hmm. most people call me, they call me that, or P Rock. For sure. Like the girls always love my name. 
So a yeah. lot of girls will call me by my real name. But like, yeah. um, so yeah, my dad always will call me P or Lil P because I've been small my whole life. But um, my brother, you know, was trying to help me come up with a name. L. Cool J is a legend. So I'm like, L. Cool J, I'm like, yeah. cool P? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to come up with all these different things off of other people. And then he, my brother just looks at me and he's just looking at me. He's like, man, P-Rock. And I'm like, what? And he's like, we call you P. You got a rock head. Like, <laughs> you P-Rock. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So it's not really an amazing story, but you fast forward, like, that's been my nickname ever since. To yeah. where my mom used to write it on my lunch. So, wow. you know, we would doodle it in a notebook. Like, it just stuck. You know what I'm saying? So, like, P-Rock just became. That's something, man. Yeah, it just stuck. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, I tell people, like, that, that'll that be on the tombstone, bro. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's been my nickname ever since. And um, I don't use it as much as I as I used to. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's forever going to be the nickname. Man, uh, growing up, man. It, Names Xavier, so obviously people correlated X. with X Men. Yeah, you know, I even got like when I turned eighteen, I got this tattoo that X Men emblem. Yeah, you know, in the the move, the first movies that came out with yeah. Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry. Yeah, that was you. that that X they had on their with the circle. uniform. Yep. So I have it right in okay. the de- dead center of Professor Xavier. Yeah, <laughs> Professor Xavier. Oh man, it, um, that's where my names. But um, I was happy to have that name because my name. Um, there wasn't another Xavier until my junior year. That's cool. And then I became small Xavier. <laughs> a big Xavier, big. <laughs> small Xavier. And then it was just like... you like, I was the first Xavier. I was the first Xavier. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so music is, is something that you, you, is your passion. And, and you know, uh, with the job you have, you yeah. know, it, 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 it doesn't feel like work. That's, I mean, off of passion, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you tap into your creative side when it comes to to music i mean i'm i'm involved in the industry as just another side you know what i mean like when when you're a radio personality or media personality your involvement with music is a little different um you know i'm more so playing music for people versus creating it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but there still has to be a, a level of creativity because they call you a radio personality for a reason. Yep. What are you going to do that separates yourself? What do you bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Every radio station across the country can play the same songs, mm-hmm. right? So what's going to separate a station? The individuals that are are hosting the shows, mm-hmm. the DJs that are playing the music, like that's going to separate you. What do you, What do you do? How do you bring things to the table? So my persona, like I'm me. You know what I'm saying? So the, the most important thing is how do I cut through in between these songs? Knowledge. Yeah. I pride myself on being prepared. If it's an artist that everybody's familiar with and they know about, it's not hard to do the research on that artist. But if it's a new artist, if it's a new song, if it's information, I try to go out there and look for facts. I'm not just going to play this record without not knowing maybe where this artist is from, mm-hmm. that this project is coming out, the origin behind the song how they got this feature, um, if they're coming to town, if they're touring, like just small things that you might overlook or not think about, but taking the time to actually research your artists. If I'm interviewing them, if I'm playing a record, just taking that time to know more about the music instead of just playing the music. I think that's something that separates me. And being creative with how you um, introduce a song, how you do a contest tying into the artist or whatever, like just being um, myself and, and interjecting humor 
and connecting with the audience, making sure that it has a local appeal to it, that it resonates with the city, even if it isn't a local artist. Yeah. How can I tie this into the block? How can I tie this into the neighborhood? How can I make it relatable? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just, it's, it's a different approach because, again, I'm not creating the music, but I'm still creating a vibe. I'm still creating the ambiance. I'm creating the mood. So it's my job to come on the radio daily to help put a person in a different place than they already are when they turn on the radio. Awesome. So you you you're you're a host. You have a morning show. What's the name of your morning show? The Morning Grind with Promise. Yeah, and it's not. It's, it's not, not a threat, it's a promise. That's right. It is. How did you get that slogan? Because I think that's like the smoothest. One of the first things I noticed about you was that, bro, when they they when I heard that slogan, I was just like, oh, he this is butter. This yeah. is this is like, oh, this is smooth. No, the catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, the the catchphrase. Catch yeah, it's yeah, it works for me. I'm not gonna lie. And pe- people do love it. Like people see they're like, say it, do it, do it. Yeah. I'm like, man, come on, I get paid to say that. But um <laughs> The catchphrase, man, I started it, uh, I think, when I was in college. When I was in college, like, I kind of played it. I didn't even really think that it was going to stick. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, you just throw stuff against the wall. Um, I started saying it when I was in college. Mm -hmm. Didn't really know it was going to really be my thing. Because at the time, again, like, P-Rock is my nickname. So when I was in college, I kind of was teetering between, Mm -hmm. am I going to go on it? Because I got into I'm sorry I didn't speak on that, but I got into radio during college. Yeah. So I was teetering between, am I going to be on the air as P-Rock? Am I going to be on the air as Primus? Like, the identity. I was trying to fight in what, who was I going to be as an entertainer? How was I going to present myself to the public? Yeah. So that's why I didn't use it frequent, because I'm like, if I'm, if I'm P-Rock, people won't know my real name is Primus, so why would P-Rock be saying it's not a threat, it's a promise? Now, anybody who d- breaks it down, they will go, P-Rock, Primus, yeah, where did you? Yeah, like so if you know me, you'd be like, "Well, his name is Prime," but mm-hmm. everybody wouldn't get that. So I mm-hmm. kind of didn't use it as consistent. Yeah, but once I got out of college radio and was able to start interning at actual real radio stations and getting like little short part time gigs, I'm just like, it's branding, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can I make somebody remember me? Like they might not remember nothing I said on this airwaves today. They might not have heard any of these breaks. They barely know who I am, what I look like, whatever. How can I leave a piece of myself with them? Mm-hmm. And so I started saying it when I would sign off. Or I would just say it like in between before a commercial break coming out of something. Mm-hmm. I would just say it. And it just kind of stuck. You know what I mean? I'm like, yep. I think this might this might be something. So I just started running with it, man. And it's, it definitely has worked for the branding. Where it's on shirts I got. It's yeah. on logos. It's online. It's a hashtag. It's, yeah. it's become a thing. And it's a part of my brand. You know, I, you talk about branding and, and talking about, you know, the personality, yeah. being, you know, when, when you're working. Um, that's how I feel like when I, I, one of the biggest things, if people, I always started off the same, hello, my name is, and then without further ado, yeah, how you doing? And I really feel, you know, you got to keep a consistency with that because yeah. it, with the branding, that's how people, they, they latch on. Yeah. And, and 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 through that you create relationships with people you don't even know, but they tune in every day. So you know you're a radio host now, but there there's a point where you you started off as just a, a rookie in the game. We'll say for sure. Um, where did your journey begin with radio? Yeah. So when I was in college, um, I went to I went to Carroll University, and uh, when I got to Carroll, um. I knew I wanted to go to school for communications. Yeah. But I didn't necessarily know what path I wanted to take on the, on to get a degree or whatever cuz communications is very broad. 
Yeah. So before I even got to Carol, I went on a college tour. I went on an HBCU college tour. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I got to go down south. I went to Tennessee State University. I went to Tuskegee. Um, I went to uh, Clark Atlantic. I went to Morehouse. Like I, you know, I you went said to, Tuskegee. Yeah, Tuskegee. Oh wow! Is, so is they have Alabama. they have a college. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. that's absolutely beautiful. Do. Pilots, man, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went to um yeah. So I was in Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. I went to like a bunch of different schools on this college mm-hmm. tour, mm-hmm. and um I remember meeting. I think it was some Q dogs. Okay. I was in Tennessee State. And I met some cute dogs, and they were, like, uh, talking to us about pledging and stuff like that. And I'm not really mm-hmm. a big frat dude. Anybody who's in a frat salute, but that really wasn't my thing. But while talking to these frat dudes, one of them was asking, like, yo, what you want to go to school for? And I'm like, man, I don't know. You know, and he just asked me different stuff. He's like, what you like to do? And I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm good at talking to people, like, whatever, whatever. And he's like, man, you should go to school for communications. And I was like, what's that? But, like, that little seed, and shout out to that dude wherever he is, because he don't know. <laughs> he planted a seed, though, he because planted the seed that I day. never had heard of communications as a major. Mm-hmm. At the time, everybody I hear about, I'm going to school for business. I'm going to school for marketing. Like, that's all this stuff I hear. I never heard nobody say they was going to school for communication. I didn't know what it was. So I remember um, leaving Tennessee State, coming back to the mill, and I'm telling my mom, I'm like, Mom, I want to go to Tennessee State University. I want to go for communications. But financially at the time, man, mm-hmm. my mom didn't have the money to send me to Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. So she's like, baby, why don't you go to school here in the area? Maybe, you know, get your credits and everything. Uh, maybe after a year or whatever, maybe we can transfer you, whatever. Yeah. So initially my brain was like, all right, I'm going to try to go to Tennessee State. I had no idea what Carroll University was. Um, I had no idea I was going to go to school in Waukesha. 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 <laughs> like, that was not in my, you know what I'm saying? But Dude, that, <laughs> that, that wasn't in my in my cards, but yeah. And I know I'm all over the place, but it's gonna it's gonna No, tie no, in. no, for sure. So man. um after coming back from that trip, mm-hmm. like and I kind of was an F up in school too. Like I really didn't take school serious. I don't think any of us me nah, I man, chased so chased I, you know what I'm saying? So when I finally did get my life together and realized I wanted to go to school. I was already a year, or I had already been out of school almost because I didn't take my ACTs until after I was out of high school, right? Because mm-hmm. I wasn't really applying myself. So finally went and took my ACTs, all that stuff. So I remember I was working a, a part-time job at the time. It really was a full-time job because I wasn't in school. Yeah. And while working at this job, I worked in Whitefish Bay in the Burbs. Mm-hmm. And I worked at a store called Winkies. Shout out to Winkies. And yeah. while I was at, working the cash register, a gentleman came in. And you never know who you're talking to. Yep. I'm at the register checking a guy out, just having a conversation with him, ringing him up. And he's like, yo, what school you go to? And I was like, I'm not in school. And he's like, uh, you're not in high school? I'm like, no, nah, I already graduated. He's like, you're not in college? I'm like, no. He's like, why not? And I'm like, I'm just trying to figure life out. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm just working right now. Yeah. He's like, what do you want to go to school for? I was like, communications. And he was like, uh, where do you want to go? I was like, I want to go to Tennessee State. Like, can't afford it right now. So, you know, I'm just at the crib right now saving him some money. And he's like, have you ever thought about Carol? And I'm like, who is Carol? Like, who is she? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, like the school. And I'm like, what school is that? So this guy's telling me about the school, whatever, whatever, just having small talk with him. Mm-hmm. Nice conversation. He's out of here. Like a day or two later, my my boss at the time is like, yo, I heard you met Dr. J. And I'm like, Julius Irvin was here? Like Dr. J, and he's like, no, Dr. Jensen, and I'm like, man, oh, who the hell is bro, Dr. you have my heart. Like, <laughs> I'm like, look, I'm like, fam, I'm black. The only Dr. J I know is Julius Irvin, That's one of the greatest. You know what I'm saying? Baby. Right. This dude talking about Dr. J. I'm like, who the hell? But Dr. J was a guy named Dr. Jensen. Yeah, turns out the guy I was talking to was a doctor who was friends with the guy who owned the store. 
Wow. He's like, yo, he said he had a really good time talking to you. Seemed like a bright young man. Like, he's like, he thinks that you should take a look at Carol. And I'm just like, so long story short, these two guys take me to Carol, right? Yep. That summer, I'm working. They drive me out to Carol. I get to go on the tour at the school. One of the tour guys walks us past the school radio station. Yeah. I see WCCX and I say, yo, what is that? And they're like, oh, that's our school radio station. I said, who can have a show? It's all right. Any student can have a show. I said, what can I have a show about? I said, anything you want to have a show about. Wow. I'm like, yo, I want to go here. Now, Boom. mind you, <laughs> they, you, probably could get a, you probably could go to any university in America and they have a, product, a radio or TV station. Yep. So, But for some reason, that like resonated. So I end up going to Carroll. And while I'm at Carroll, I end up doing a radio show there called The Business Hours. And okay. when I first started, I was trash. <laughs> I was trash. I was trash. But I remember just thinking back to childhood. I used to play like I was on the radio in the neighborhood. I would, my mom, you can ask my mom this. I mean, oh, I was yeah. sitting in the hood. We would do uh, fake radio shows. Yeah. I would be the radio personality. I'd be the caller. I would act like I'm the guest. We would just sit in the neighborhood and do this type of stuff all the time. So, I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. After that freshman year, I'm like, you got to get serious. I started doing show prep. It's funny you say something like that because, like, growing up, it, I always used to be the anchor man. Okay. I even got video, home <laughs> video with my family. You know yeah. what I mean? Yellow, this is Fox 6 News. Yeah. And here we are live at the Jets. No. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, um, yeah, it, it's something you play around with, the yeah. imagination growing up. But, yeah, awesome. It's so like that, for college. Yeah, so that's so once I'm in school, after that freshman year, I was trash, and I realized, like, yo, you got to take it serious, even though, again, I'm not getting paid. But I realized, like, how you prepare and do things when you're not being rewarded is going to show how you would act when you are in a situation where you can be paid. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of times people think, like, oh, I'm going to be different when this happens. How? If you don't prepare yourself before the situation, yep. before the opportunity you just going to magically become a different person. Like, no, you got to put the work in before yes, it. Do. So that next semester, man, I started prepping before the show. An hour or so before the show, I'm sitting down. I'm mm -hmm. looking over entertainment news. I'm looking at what's happening on campus. I'm looking at what my playlist is going to be for the day. Like, I'm looking at who my interview for the day. So I started taking the show serious to where I end up getting most improved DJ on campus. And then by the end of it, I had the highest rated show on campus. Get it. So from there, my cousin asked me, like, in the summertime, she said, yo, you ever thought about doing radio like in Milwaukee and I'm like like most people I'm like how how do you get in radio like yeah. nobody knows how to get to a TV station how to get to a radio station how do you even get those jobs I was like I don't know how to do that she's like why have you ever thought I'm like I don't even know how like I'm just doing it as a kid I don't know if I could do it for real well mm -hmm. my cousin's friend at the time was working um promotions at Saga Communications which uh, runs 98.3 yeah. KLH and all them. Mm -hmm. So she was working promotions at the time. So I ended up coming home that summer and basically applying for like an internship. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting an internship and that was my first foray into radio. That's, that's beautiful right there. This is the foot in the door. Yep. Man. But again, you, th you think, right? Like, yep. Oh, um, once I'm done with college, they just going to give me this job. Hell no. no hell no. no. You got to work for it. <laughs> you know, I I, I, tr I tried. I tried school. It's it just nothing that has never, I hate to say it like this, but it, it just is the truth. I've just, it's never, it, it never went anywhere. But through that, I've always I commend you for going to school. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, sure. Um, it ain't for everybody. It ain't for everybody. It's not. And, and you know, the way I, I chose to do, like with radio, um, 
Do you feel like the fate of that, how your paths cross mm-hmm. with that aspect in this career that your career path you took, do you feel like that was fate? Um, Sometimes I don't know, like, because I didn't, at one point I didn't foresee this as, mm-hmm. as a real career. You know yeah. what I mean? Like at one point I was just doing it because it was fun and I didn't know that it could be for real because the hardships that I went through over the next several years of trying to become a real radio personality mm-hmm. were extremely difficult. Yeah. And if a person doesn't really believe in themselves or believe that they have something to offer, mm-hmm. then a lot of people probably would have, and not being egotistical, they would have crumbled in yeah. the boat that I was in because they would have been like either A, I'm not doing it for that kind of money. I'm not wasting my time doing that. Like, it's no benefit to this. Like, nobody's paying attention. I mean, when I got my first shift, bro, in real radio, I was midnight to five in the morning. Wow. Like, most people wouldn't want to take that shift. Yeah. And I'm doing that, and then I'm leaving, and I go work a nine to five. But, like, I, I got to a certain point where I'm like, I think I have something, and if just the right person hears me or sees me, I feel like I got something. I got to the point where I really believe, like, now I could do this. Because at first it was just having fun. Yeah. And then really I'm like, nah, bro, I, I think you actually have something. So it's it's not an easy thing. So I don't know if it was fate or if it was destiny. But sometimes when I look back at where my life was and where it lined up, it's like maybe it was meant for me to do something with this microphone. I never knew what I was supposed to do. But being a person who's good at communicating, being somebody that loves music, being somebody that now I'm funny, all these different levels of me. Like, whatever mm-hmm. I do in my life, I'm like, it's going to have something to do with this microphone. Yeah, something yeah. to do with inter, inter, interacting and engaging and sharing with people. Yes. So now you got your foot in the door. Yeah. Let's let's push on on this journey. Yeah. How was it starting out once you had your foot in that door? Tough you, tough as hell, bro. Because who, because how you think something's going to happen, it don't happen. Yeah. Do you do you feel like when you began it could, the radio station? You think they, you know how like when a rookie goes into the NBA, yeah, you see those videos where they put their bags all in. Was that like that for you? Did they give you a hard time? They were like, "Go get me the coffee," or you, was it anything like that? No, I, mean, I, I definitely went through my intern days for sure, mm-hmm. and I I went through the phases of initially some people not believing it and what I had. And yeah. then also, too, some of it was, was was just truly growing pains. Like, sometimes in life, you want something before you're really ready for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to feel like, well, why am I not being given this? Or why is nobody? But now looking back, some of the stuff I wanted when I wanted it, if they would have gave it to me, I probably would have fumbled it. Yep. Now, now, did my path have to be as hard as it was? No. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate some of it because Everything. now I can yeah. make somebody else's situation better than it was for me. But some of the stuff I went through was just your typical growing pains. And then some of it, to be honest with you, was complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, like some yeah. of the stuff that I went through was, wasn't was right. I went through some things where they wouldn't say it, but I know there were some racial things. Yeah, There was a lot of barriers and things put in front of me. There were some age things. There were, mm-hmm. there were certain things put in front of me that didn't have to be put in front of me. It was a, it was a it was a framework that they they were comfortable with. Let, let's put it like yeah. let's put it like this. It's the framework of the radio industry and how it's framed. It's like when I talked to Ali when she started off, she talked about women. Women sure. didn't have a voice, <laughs> so it's it's with her. She had to really uh, be her own voice and really stand up for yeah. herself. It, that way, I could see we're minorities. Yeah, for sure. And no matter what, I growing up, 
I lived in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I know how, how it feels not being able to sleep at a friend's house because their parents didn't approve of me. Yeah. And look at my look at my complaint, man. Yeah. I, you know, I'm Puerto Rican and I take pride in that. But it's those type of barriers that, you know, not only does it is it in your way, but it makes you so much stronger because you have to go through that. And yeah. once you break through that, it's yeah, it's like this and, inner strength. And sometimes you don't wanna you don't wanna think that it's that you like nah it's not that you know like and there was times I was like nah it's not because and other times I had to just realize like nah some of this it might be that or some of it might be a person is threatened of you yep. like me what I learned is when you're sure who you are mm-hmm. that can make others uncertain who they are exactly so even me being wet behind the ears or inexperienced but just being confident or knowing like I have capabilities that might have threatened certain people and made certain people feel like a certain type of way or again, like there were certain things in place where I know I wasn't being given opportunities, yep. but they couldn't say it was because of of, yep. of my ethnicity. It's like, oh, well, we're looking for this. <laughs> I'm like, but you can play these records by these artists. But you're yep. t- like, for small example, I was told one time in what they call an air check. So an air check is basically when you sit down with a program director or somebody in management and they pretty much um, they do like a deep dive on your shift or your mm-hmm. show. They pretty much critique you. So in one of my air check sessions, I remember my PD at the time when I, and this is when I was at, um, I went to uh, a top 40 station that doesn't exist in Milwaukee anymore. Mm-hmm. I was there and he basically's like, yeah, man, you know, on the, on the air, man, you, you sound like a rapper. Wow. And, and I was like, what? what? And he's like, you know, he's like, when you're on the air, you sound like a rapper. <laughs> and I said, what does that mean? He's like, no, I mean, I'm just saying like, so in my head again, you try not to make it racial, but you like. What are you saying to me? Like, yeah, you're, you're t- dude. <laughs> but so he was telling me almost it was like that. I'm, I said, so you mean to tell me that these these white girls that I went to school with, yeah, <laughs> that I'm out and about in the city with, they can understand Two Chains and Chris Brown's music, but mm-hmm. they don't understand me talking to them. Yep. And this is really what I'm saying to him. He's like, oh, I don't make it that. I said, I'm not making it that. I'm confused. What are you saying to me? But what that's you, one yeah. of the small things that I knew. The op- I said, okay, it's gonna be harder for you. But mm-hmm. again, I wouldn't quit. To the point, I remember my hours got cut. I just told you I was on from 12 to 5. Yeah. He cut me from 12 to 5 to 12 to 3. So I went through all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Oh, and you, 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 the best part, then my shift was cut completely. Wow. Completely. Wow. He removed my shift completely. Ah. And when I said I was making pennies, I wasn't making, I wasn't hurting nobody. I just wanted the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it went to a certain point where he's like, yeah, man, we don't have it in the budget to do your show anymore. So what you mean you don't have it in the budget? I'm not making no money. <laughs> But Man, so that, that's yeah. some of the stuff that I went through just trying to figure out, can I do this? But again, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let it stop me. But that was the beginning of it. Me going from an intern to eventually getting a part time shift on air, still working a nine to five mm-hmm. and then having that rug pulled from up under me. And the next big break when things really shifted for me, fast forward and when I got the job at iHeart. That's when things really shifted for me, where more people in Milwaukee got a, a hint of who I was. I ended up taking a job with iHeart to be a production assistant to pretty mm-hmm. much produce and do commercials. And from there, there was a small opening to do a weekend shift, and I took that and ran with it. And that's what became the real coming out for me in Milwaukee Radio. Well, look at look at the perseverance. Look, look at the dedication where it's gotten you. Because, you know, I, I listen to you in the morning, brother. No, I appreciate you it, know? bro. <laughs> and it, 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 it's that. This ain't overnight. I, it, I can it, tell you that for sure, man. Yeah. This journey ain't overnight. I mean, we had a conversation before even the cameras went rolling, you know. Um, it's this expectation of instant gratification. 
And, and really, it's not that people see me with these boards and they see me just doing a, a podcast and they I get these questions like, how did you do it? How did you get to this level that you're at right now? It wasn't overnight. Not at all. There's a lot of there's a lot of ups, downs. It, it this took work. This took believing in myself. This took taking leaps of faith yeah. and and not being sure of where it was gonna get me. Man. Um, it, you, one of my teachers that I love her to death, uh, Miss Rosado, one of the best advice she said: never be afraid to invest in yourself. Yeah, like, <laughs> but like you said, yeah. it's and 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 I'll say this too: anybody who wants to pursue anything, right, or, or achieve something, mm-hmm. you have to have. Not only belief in yourself, belief in something bigger than you, but you also have to be willing to take some risk. And I know that that's the hard part of life. And I'm not saying take a risk where you putting yourself in danger. I'm not saying take a risk where you jeopardizing your family or things like that. Mm -hmm. But depending on where you are in life, you got to look at where you are and where you're trying to go. Um, You mentioned you have kids. I don't have any shorties. Mm -hmm. I'm not married. So there are certain type of risk and chances that I could take that maybe somebody else wouldn't take wouldn't be or, able to. or maybe they can't at the moment, right? So when I took that job at iHeart, you talk about a risk. I left a full, I told you, the dude cut my hours. Yep. So I'm not making really no money. I'm not on air no more. I still got key fob to the building. <laughs> I'm going in there playing around, but I ain't got nothing cooking. I'm still working my nine to five. When the iHeart situation presented itself, I don't know if you heard the key word I said. I said part-time. Part-time, yep. I quit my full nine to five job. Mm-hmm. I quit a full nine to five to go work for iHeart part time. Wow. I gave up benefits. And I gave up money to go pursue a dream. You know why? Because I got to the point in life and I said, when are you going to do it, promise? Mm-hmm. You keep pump faking. Yeah. You've had all these pit stops and all these things that didn't go your way. You always kept one foot in and one foot out. I always worked part-time in radio, and I had another job. And I said to myself, at some point, when are you going to give it all? Yeah. Either you're going to go all the way in or you're going to keep saying wonder, would have, could And I said, you got a college degree. You can always get a job. You can always go work somewhere. But mm-hmm. you're not always going to be in this space, moment, and mind to want to try to achieve this. So either you're going to do it or you're not. And trust me, that was a wild decision that I talked with my mother and I talked with God about. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to do it. And I quit my full-time job. And most people, of course, are like, are you crazy? <laughs> I quit a full-time job, bro, to go work part-time at iHeart with no guarantee. Yeah. But that turned into four years there, full-time contract, helped establish my brand and what I did. And then now all that work paid off into Odyssey calling and me getting my own morning show. Man. And I ain't worked another job since. So You, you know. hear this, people? Let's get it. <laughs> Let's get this. <laughs> This the man right here. I will say, you got to clap for me, my guy. It, it, hearing a, hearing this type of story, man, it, it's like Rocky, you know, the movie yeah. Rocky, you know? I love Rocky, yeah. When he's running up those steps, you know, like, he's down to the last, like, boom. But it's that inner talk with yourself. Yeah. Are you going to give it your all? And again, and, and, yeah. and it's not easy. And I'm not going to sit here and say that everything has been peachy because, listen, I'm fortunate and I'm blessed that, like I said, for seven years, I've only worked in radio and then hosting and emceeing and and comedy. I don't. Some people say, what else do you do when you I'm like, I don't have another job. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I'm the vice president of a nonprofit, but that's separate. But like, mm-hmm. I don't have another job. Like, all I do for a living is talk. Yeah. I get paid to talk. I get paid to host. I get paid to MC, interview celebrities and stuff. It's a blessing. Yeah. But it's a long journey to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And even now, there's still your ups and your downs. Like, but again, I was got to a point in life where I was able to say, this is the moment. You're going to do it or you're not going to do it. But again, I wouldn't tell everybody to quit their nine to five. That might not work. for Everybody's path and journey is different. Yeah. But I will say that you're going to have pivots and moments in your life where you are going to have to make decisions about choices and things that you do or don't want to do. Yeah. And for me, I got to that point where I said, you got to try it, bro. Mm-hmm. I'd rather fall flat on my face and know that I tried and sit on my hands and go, I wonder what if. Yeah. You got to find comfort and discomfort. And then, you know, I heard this, man, it was... It was over a video, but, you know, when you come to, to the end of your life, do you want to be at, at this, you know, at this point where you, you can have all the different versions of you surrounding you? Yeah. Do you want to sit there and have to explain to them why you didn't become this or why you didn't become that? And it's just that belief in yourself. So it's 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 believing in yourself and going forward. How has this experience now that you're a, you're a host? Yeah, you're the morning grind. Like you're your own. You you got this position and it's powerful. Yeah. I, I I saw you at a at, at uh, the circus. The you emceed. Uh, yeah. You hosted. That was wild. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was a guest ringmaster. The ringmaster. There you go. I was trying to look for the word, but yeah. I couldn't find it. But I ended up seeing you there, and then I saw a woman come up to you, and she's like, I just want to let you know listening to you in the morning gives me a lot. It does a lot for me. And, you know, the way you answer was so humble, but it, 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 it it's, it's the impact you're making right now. So how has this experience being able to be a host of your own show? Man, it, listen, it... The, the 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 ability to impact and touch people or interact with people when I go to schools and get to talk to kids, that means more to me than any of the celebrities I've interviewed, any of the people I've been able to meet. And trust me, it's been an honor and a pleasure to meet a ton of people who we yeah. have grown up watching on TV or listening to or yeah. um, people I'm fans of or whatever. Like, that's all been dope. Meeting people, interviewing people, mm-hmm. that's amazing. But the real people, right? Interacting with the community, being able to be approachable, being able to touch people. Like that means more to me than anything because people don't have to listen to the radio. You have so many different other platforms and mediums you can listen to now. People don't have to stream us. People don't have to tap in. So when people take their time out their day, whether they're at work, whether they're at school, they're driving somewhere or they're working from home Mm -hmm. and they decide to listen to me for that 15 minutes or they tap in with me for that hour, those two hours, I'm very grateful and appreciative, man. I don't take it for granted. When people tell me that they listen to me or they rock with me, I genuinely really be like, thank you, for real. Because you don't have to. There's a lot of different options nationally and locally. And when somebody takes the time to say that they listen to me, and they not only listen to me, but they go, yo, you said this, so I remember this. When they connect with it, that that means the world to me, man, because I'm not foolish about a platform. Mm -hmm. I don't take for granted that I have a platform and it's a tool. And I have to be cautious about what I say and what I do with it. And yeah, we're going to play rap music. We're going to play R&B. I'm going to play jokes and segments. We're going to have fun. But I also understand that it's an importance of me being in the position I am to say something with it, to have an ability to touch people, to reach people. And I don't take that for granted. So I'm super duper appreciative of the opportunity to come into people's homes and come into people's cars and their lives and interact with them and and, and resonate and connect with people. Like that that means the world to me, bro, to be able to do that. Awesome, man! It like and for real, man. It, it was a, it was a awe to me, like seeing that that whole organic 
conversation just yeah. come come about right in front of me. This lady don't know who I am. This lady doesn't understand why I'm talking to you. Yeah. Like, but um, this was all leading up to to today. Yeah, and it was it was organic, and it was organic, yeah. and that's why I, that's why I brought it up. Um, this job that you, you have now is some would consider most would consider is like a dream job, and through this this dream job. Except waking up early every day. Except where, yeah. Anybody who know me personally, <laughs> no, I am not a morning person, but <laughs> I have become one. Uh, um, one of the 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 pro side of 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 being your own host, you in, get to interview um, celebrities. Yeah, and and I've seen since I started following you, man. There's been a couple, man, and yeah. I'm just like, how do I get on this man's level? <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Uh, no, it's 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 a journey, bro. Like I said, I remember um, being in the radio. Like I said, seven years at this point, but yeah. from the intern years before that, I remember not getting the interviews, mm -hmm. being in the room watching the other jocks interview people, or yeah. just getting maybe to meet people. Hey, how you doing? And I'm just in the background yeah. to where now I get the phone calls from the publicist there or my management tells me, "Yo, this person is going to be on the show today." Like flex I, hard for me right now. <laughs> Flex hard for me. I need you to flex on this on this, this show. Who have you interviewed? And just tell you people pull because out some names? pull out the names. Start, man, because uh, <laughs> we could go A list first. A list, get them. Um, Ice Cube, Stephen uh, A. Smith, Chris Rock. Uh, <laughs> now I gotta try to remember some people. Uh, <laughs> I just gotta do this, man. Did you just hear the names he just said? Oh uh, man, you actually recently um. Not only did you interview him, but um, uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh, what's oh, Don Donnell Rollins. You not only interviewed him, but then you went to his show at the Improv, and that ended up turning into this opportunity of another part of you. Yeah, I uh, I did five shows in three days with him. Opening up. Yeah, I opened up for <laughs> Donnell Rollins at the Improv. At the Improv. <laughs> yeah. Now. I think most people have come on to what the improv is here in in, in, in Wisconsin. Yeah, because you know it's a you national know, thing, now, but now we got yeah. one here. Yeah, but now it's it's like literally it's picking up with the talent that's coming through it. Yeah. So you being able to be on that stage, opening up for someone like him, he's like Dave Chappelle's like right hand man. That's exactly what I'm thinking in my head. I'm just like, yeah, that's how word. was that experience? And 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 before that, how did you get into comedy? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't honestly, man, I don't like the music and radio thing. I can understand like I had aspirations at some point in life. Yeah. I can honestly tell you I had no aspiration to be a comedian. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to people. Like, you know, how some people like since they was like when I interview a lot of these comedians, like mm -hmm. they've wanted to do these things since they were they were younger. You know, what I mean, um, I had no aspiration to be a comedian. I've always been naturally silly. Like, if you hang around me long enough, I'm probably going to make you laugh. Yeah. This is who I am as a person. I've always impersonated people, though. So, like, when I was a kid, I used to impersonate stuff I saw on TV. I would make fun of teachers. I got to the point where I was so good at impersonating one of my teachers, they would make me do it for the principal. Like, they would, <laughs> like security yeah. would walk me over and be like, you know, you got to see him do this. So, when I was a kid, I was just always a silly person. Yeah. Um, but I never, like, thought I could be, like, stand-up funny. Even like with the music, like we used to make skits 
Like we would do like skits and put yeah. them, record them. And I was always doing silly stuff like that. But it wasn't until, um, shout out to my big homie, Marlon Hill. Marlon Hill is a comedian from Milwaukee who's done some amazing national things. Let's get him one of these. Oh, yeah. Marlon has does, does, been on Adult Swim, The Boondocks, uh, Comedy, uh, comedy view. I mean, plenty, plenty stuff. Showtime at the Apollo won five times. He, he's amazing. But <laughs> he's a big homie of mine, right? Yeah. He saw something to me I didn't see in myself. Um, how I actually got into comedy, there was a talent show that happened when I was interning. So mm-hmm. when I first was interning at the company Saga, um, Marlon was there doing, um, he was a guest co-host on another show. Yeah. And he was the MC for this talent show. So at the time, they used to didn't let part-time or interns audition it was only full-time people that yeah. year they opened it up so i was like yo i'm gonna enter because i heard it was a free trip to vegas i just wanted a free trip to vegas yeah so everybody's like everybody who knows me goes what are you gonna do at the talent show like you gonna rap you gonna what you gonna do because i'm i'm nice with the rhyming too like i actually can rhyme yeah so everybody thought i was gonna go out there and rhyme but i, I had to read the room we in Pewaukee, bro they, they got us at, at a conference place in Pewaukee. I'm knowing if I go in here and rap, this is not going to connect with these stiff, stuffy people in this room. Yep. So I pull the Uno card. <laughs> I know how to impersonate people. Yeah. So I literally impersonate uh, like six or seven different people who work at the company. Mm-hmm. And I got props. I got cigarettes because people there were like chain smokers. I got a pack of cigarettes. I got eyeglasses. I got all this different stuff. And I go on stage. I never did stand up in my life. And I basically impersonated six or seven different people who worked there for like six or seven minutes. And they all are falling out laughing. Yeah. So I ended up winning a free trip to Vegas. I won. My boy. First time a part-time employee. In How do I get on like this, dude? <laughs> I, won the, I won, right? Yeah. Marlon is the MC. He's like, yo. Like, dude, you you funny. And I'm like, nah, I'll just be effing around. He's like, no, dude. Like, yeah. Marlon takes me under his wing and starts having me host for him at his comedy room. Mm-hmm. So this is like on the south side of Milwaukee. I'm just emceeing hosting for him. I don't know how to be a comedian, right? I don't know how to write a joke. Mm-hmm. I don't know timing. I'm just naturally silly. So I'm just on stage just talking, warming the crowd up until the other comedians come on. Yeah. So I'm like, got the crowd laughing. I'm just saying stuff. I still don't know what I'm really doing. So over the next couple of months, I have a notebook. And I don't know if you know who the comedian Dion Cole is. Yeah. Dion Cole, hilarious. Dion used to write for Conan O'Brien. Yep. Dion Cole used to have this bit where he would have a notebook yeah. and he would check off his jokes. On yeah. stage. Yep. I kind of stole his concept, but I would have a big composition notebook. <laughs> I had like a big old, and I'd be on stage. But here's the trick, though. I really didn't know how to remember jokes, right? So, so you did, yeah. So on the page, it would be like grocery store, or it would be like premises. I didn't yeah. know how to like write jo- So I'm on stage. They think I'm joking. I'm really looking at this paper like, yep. what am I supposed to say next? <laughs> but that was my shtick. So it went on for like, yeah. I did it for like a year while I was in college. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get behind me. He was encouraging me. And I was just like, yo, bro, I can't, I can't, I can't. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I don't think I could do this. I said, I feel like I'm going to get exposed. I feel like every week yeah. somebody's going to know I'm up here playing and I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wanted to do radio for real. Yep. I'm like, yo, bro, I want to do radio, music. I'm like, I want to do music. I'm like, mm-hmm. nobody's going to take me serious with my music and my radio if I'm in here playing this. He's like, what about Jamie Foxx? What about Jamie? And I was like, Jamie had to do Ray. Yeah. I'm like, nobody took him serious with his music until Ray. Yeah. I said, so nobody's going to take me serious until I do something else first. So he was devastated, man. I walked away from comedy. I was like, this, this is not for me. So, man, can I just say, go ahead. We, we attended your, your event, me and my wife. <laughs> 
you know, we we try to get out on on date nights. You know, it's hard. A little shorty, only three years old. Yeah. Um, but we attended your show, bro, and I was tearing up, bro. But watching you on stage in between the acts that were coming up, bro, yeah. it it comes off so like. People tell me I'm unnatural. You, dude, yeah. like I'm being serious. No, I appreciate it. It came off just a little. There were some jokes that didn't even relate to what you were saying right before, but like it just came off so smooth. And yeah, and yeah you are a natural. I want to say that. My wife thought like I was in tears, bro. Like no, I appreciate literally it. laughing in tears. And man, it, it, that that to me is talent. If you could have people tearing up. No, the- I pre- <laughs> but like, again, I, like I said, I think it, a lot of this stuff is just, my cousin told me I'm a cheat code. He's like, do you just being yourself? He's like, this mm-hmm. is cheating. He's like, people are paying you or allowing you to just be you. He's like, yeah. we've known you your whole life. He's like, so none of this is a character. None yeah. of it's an act. It's just you and you have different variations of you. It's like, it's like a, I got a variant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure, man. But how, to answer your question really, so why I'm seriously with it now, about a year ago, is when I start taking it serious. Yep. So it comes full circle. That same guy, Marlon Hill. Yep. He's back in Milwaukee. He's doing his thing. And I call him one day. And I'm just like, yo, I'm like, would you let me come to one of your shows and like host or like test something out? He's like, what you thinking? I was like, yo, I kind of I kind of got this idea. I'm like, because originally I wanted to do, um, I don't want to do stand-up. I actually wanted to do like sketch, sketch, sketch TV yeah, and stuff, sketch. right? Okay, gotcha. I wanted to do more like Mad TV and Live in Color, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday Night Live type stuff. I felt I would fit Wilding Out. I feel like I would kill on like Wilding Out. Yeah. So initially he and I are talking about that. He's like, okay, he's like, well, if you want to audition and submit some stuff for one of those shows, we kind of got to get you. He's like, you already can have, he's like, you got timing from radio, you witty. He's like, you know, you can freestyle. He's like, but you're going to need to have the comic element. So I was like, yo, let me yeah. come and get sharp. Let me come work out with you. So all I was supposed to be doing was going down a year ago to just be working out with him. Yeah. But what he didn't know is secretly I had learned how to compile jokes. Yeah. So I hadn't told anybody, but I had already been formulating and putting concepts together. The element of surprise. So when I went to open up for his, I went to go host a show for him last fall. I go on stage and I got all this material he's never heard. Mm hmm. And he and the other comics are like, who wrote that? Yeah. I'm like, me. And they're like, no, 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 no. They're like, you wrote that? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And they're like, when did you? We thought you didn't. And I said, look, man, I don't know. I've just been fooling around. So last year, my brain was like, all right, let's just try it for real. Like, Because, again, you didn't try the radio thing at one point for real. And then eventually you stopped and you went full head with it. Yeah. Look what happened. So I said to myself, like, bro, you kind of BS a couple years back. You didn't really take the comedy thing sincere. What if you try it now? What if you really, yeah, you know, and he put the battery in my back and was like, yo, you got it. You got so it. ever since last year, bro, now how did it get to this level of opening up for Donnell Rollins? Yeah. I didn't think it would go this fast, right? I mm-hmm. thought what I would do is I would just host an MC for him, right? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Just host some shows for him here and there. What happened is he put me in the fire. Oh, for sure. He took me to another room, right? He invited me down to where I thought I was just going to kick it and hang out. He comes and he goes, oh, the other comic isn't here, bro. I need you to go up and do, like, some time. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I ain't come for that. I just came to watch. He's like, but you said you always keep something in your holster. So I learned that you always have to be prepared. Yeah. In my phone, I had, like, 
a couple concepts just in my phone. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got you. So I go up and I do a set. Then there's another time he has another show early this year. Something similar happens. Somebody yeah. doesn't show up. He puts me in a fire again. So now I'm like, okay, I initially just wanted to be hosting and emceeing. I didn't want to be a feature guy. Yeah. I didn't want to do sets. I just wanted to emcee and host because I feel comfortable doing that. He put me in a fire back to back to where I had to go up and I had to do my own set. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like, all right, quietly, I've wanted to create my own night, which is what you came to, Funny on Sunday. Yes. I've wanted, I told GA about this a year ago, Yeah, but I didn't know if I was really going to do it or not. And then I just said, you know what? You just got to not play around. Let's just go do it. So mm-hmm. I've been doing it seriously now. And the Donnell Rollins things came about during an interview. We yeah. were having a convo, just chopping it up. Yeah. And if anybody sees that interview, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah. He started off ro- just going I mean, at you. Bro. This dude just started roasting me. <laughs> Immediately, it roses you immediately, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And and I've had a lot of interviews with a lot of people. That's yeah. never, I've never had nothing like that happen. So what you ha- can tell, he took you off guard, bro. He called me. I'm like, yo, my brother hit me. He was like, yo, he almost caught you at first. But the fun thing about it is, is how you transition. Yeah, because because yeah. there's a lot that didn't get aired. But in the part that is aired, it was organic, right? Because mm-hmm. I could have taken that. The wrong way, right? For Everybody sure. doesn't take jokes the same. Mm-hmm. So I could immediately have been like, sir, I'm trying to do an interview with you. Why are you making fun of me? Like, this is awkward. But what did I do? I gave it right back to yeah, him. Yeah, for sure. So the fact that I went back and forth with him, I think he appreciated it's it. It's a type of respect. Yeah, and it's, there's a part in the interview yeah. where he says, like, yo, come to the show. Like, let's do this live. Because originally he wanted to roast me. He originally invited me to come sit in the front row. <laughs> and he wanted to roast me at the show. And I said, listen, I don't know what you think this is. I'm from the mill, bro. Yeah. Oh, we we, we, we roast there. here. We, we live there. here, fam. So I said, if you do that to me, I'm going to shoot back. So what happens is when the interview's over, I just, and I never do this, man. I've interviewed and, and met a lot of people. I've yeah. never imposed myself or told people what I do. But something mm-hmm. just felt right. And I said, listen, bro, I said, I really just started taking this serious. And I'm like, do you have any advice for me? And he says, I don't have any advice for you. And I'm like, wow. He says, you have to be aggressive about getting on the stage. He said, if you're going to do it, you got to be aggressive. And I said, okay, cool. Duly noted. And I'm leaving it at that. And he goes, tell you what, I'm coming to town. And when I come to town, he said, I give you five minutes. Like, if you think you funny, I give you five. And I'm like, yo, are you serious or are you playing? I'm like, because if you're serious, I'll do it. And this is Hollywood, bro. And you're going to yeah. learn the more you do this. Man, yeah. people say a lot of stuff, man. For sure. And I don't take a lot of these. It's entertainment, bro. They yeah. say stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, man, you probably, I'm going to be honest. One of my favorite shows of all time is Martin Lawrence. Martin, the Martin Show. Yep. On Martin, there's an episode with Varnell Hill. Martin! <laughs> where Tommy <laughs> Davidson plays Varnell Hill. He basically... Gasses Martin up to say he can come to L.A. And when Martin gets to L.A., he act like he don't know him. So I felt this was about to be a Varnell Hill situation. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, all right, fam. He's like, no, I'm serious. I said, well, tell you what. I said, I'm going to reach out to your publicist. Okay, do that. Dude, I email his publicist, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, I just interviewed Darnell. I'm like, he invited me down to the show. I hear nothing. I'm like, all right, these dudes are playing. Two days later, his publicist calls my phone. There we go. Yo, promise. This is um, this is Jeff. Um, Donnell said he had a great time with you. He's like, uh, he said he really vibe with you. Um, yeah, let's figure out if you can come down to open up the first night that Thursday. Yeah, I'm thinking. He's, I call him back. I'm like, yo, this is promise. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's set something up, kid. Uh, I'll be in touch. Next couple of days, I, I talk to the guy again. Yeah, he goes, hey, if you do well, he'll probably let you stick around. But yeah. you got to be funny. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, I'm gonna give you his number. Don't annoy him. Don't blow him up. 
I'm like, bro, I, ain't, I don't move like that. Like, I ain't going to do that. So I'm mm. nervous. Like, when do I text him? When do I text him? So I just mm. shoot him a text. I'm just like, yo, Donnell is promised from Milwaukee. He's like, yo, what's up, son? Everything is son to him. <laughs> what's up, son? <laughs> I said, yo, man, um, just wanted to reach out to you. Thanks for the opportunity. What time do you want me to be there? Come 30 minutes before the show. So you fast forward to that first day. I'm nervous as hell, bro. Like, yeah. Because not only, A, do I have to be funny for this audience, mm. I have to impress this dude and his team. GA took a picture of you in the in the room and you could tell like you were in depth, like in thought, bro. Bro, cause cause it was so much on my mind. If you yeah. remember what I had on that night, I had on a brewer yep. jacket. Yeah. And that was intentional. I was the only person on the show who wasn't from out of town, right? His team is people who are from like DC, New Chicago, York, East Coast, in New York and uh, mm. Minneapolis. Okay. Cool. I knew that I'd be the only guy from Milwaukee, right? So yep. I was intentional about making sure I wore not just something that was from our city, but that said it. My yep. jacket said Milwaukee on it. I wanted people to know as soon as I stepped on that stage that I am from this city. So I, we're in the backstage in the green room. The people from the improv come in and they say, you know, what's the order of the show tonight? I thought I had to go out first to open. He actually had an MC from Chicago. Yep. He says, she's first, promise is next. He said, give him, five, give him seven minutes. So first is five. Now it's seven, seven minutes. I've been at home, man, timing myself with this <laughs> damn five minutes. You know? <laughs> but he says, give him seven minutes. And I just remember before I go on, I'm pacing back and forth, bro. I couldn't sit down. Anybody who knows, you've never seen me like that. I couldn't sit down, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the camera guy's in the back. He says, dude, like, you got this, bro. Like, you're, you'll be fine. I'm nervous. Everybody's like, you're going to be great. I'm nervous, bro. But when she called my name and I came through that curtain, it's like once I got on stage, it's like a weight lifted off me. Yep. And I was like, you ready? Nah, you supposed to be here, bro. Yeah, you ready. And like I said, when I went out there and I got that first laugh, and I was just like, yo, I just made these people laugh. And then I just went through my whole set. And when I got done, I just said, I did it for the 414. And the crowd, you know, loved it. And, and I went off stage and the host said, and then I remember I went in the back room with him. It's just he and I one-on-one. And he back there rolling up. <laughs> and... <laughs> Dude smoke like a damn chimney. He's rolling up and he, he does he's not even looking at me, but it's me yeah. and him the first time we've been one on one. And he goes, What are you doing this weekend? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. What's up? He's like, You want to rock out the whole weekend? And wow. I was like, Absolutely. And he's like, All right, you with us for the whole weekend. Wow. So over the next four nights, I did, you know what I mean, those uh those other shows with yeah. him. It was the next two nights. I'm sorry, I did four shows over the next two nights. And not only that, bro, but just the camaraderie. Like, they mm. accepted me, you know. It's the respect, I, 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 dude. Dude, yeah. I took them to to George Webb. I took them to <laughs> yeah. Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. I took them to a smoker's lounge. Like, I hung out with them over the next couple of days. Shout out to Nas at Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. So, just the whole experience and then getting the information, right? Backstage mm -hmm. soaking up, getting gems from each comedian, them talking to me, giving me advice. His road manager coming over saying, Yo, you've been with us for these last two nights. I haven't watched you yet. Tonight I'm watching you. So now I'm like, okay. Road yeah. manager comes back like, yo, funny stuff, dude. Take my number. You in New York? You call me. Um, that last night, Donnell and I are together. I hadn't took a picture with him the whole time, right? I really was off my phone, wasn't on social. I just yeah. wanted to be in the moment with him. Mm -hmm. That final night, we're together. And I said, hey, man, you mind taking a picture with me? I'm like, because I haven't taken any pictures with you. He's like, of course. So we take that picture. And he says, when he shakes my hand, he says, yo, man, keep in touch. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm like, is this some Hollywood? And he's like, no, nah, man, I'm serious, bro. He's like, keep in touch. Mm -hmm. And he texts me the next day after he had flew home. 
And and like I said, so just to have that experience, bro, and to have that opportunity, man, I, I'll never forget it. And and, it, and it's life changing. Oh, yeah. So yeah, just unreal. So radio host, yeah. he's worked his, you've grinded, you know, just your all to become the radio host. And then, you know, this, this secret, like just this natural secret that you had hiding in it, it finally comes out. Yeah. Um, how do you balance that going forward? You know what? I told myself something last year. I was a guest on another podcast and yeah. you have to like, we talking about this a little bit off the air, like your words become your reality. Your yep. thoughts become your reality. I be careful what you say, right? Exactly. Well, my father told me a long time ago, life and death is in the tongue. That's in the Bible. So I said something last year in a podcast and I guess I've been holding myself to it. I said that I wanted to stop putting myself in a box. I, I I felt like I compartmentalized myself a lot in the past, right? Mm -hmm. I was always too busy trying to not show everything. Like, well, I do this and I don't want to tell you that I do that. And and for whatever reason, maybe I thought I didn't want to be egotistical. I didn't want to come across a certain way, tell people, well, I do that too. I do this. I don't know. Maybe I was trying to hide myself or figure out the right yeah. time to do certain things. But I told myself last year, like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. If you have been blessed to have multiple skill sets and talents, who are you not to use these things? Some people would, would love to have one thing that they're dope at. Yeah. If I'm fortunate enough that I have multiple things that I can do well, why would I not do these things? Why would I not utilize them? I just want to relate to you so much in what you just said because that's that's where I'm at. 32. Age is just uh, age isn't nothing but a number. Right. And at 32, that's where it, it finally became clear. I need to stop boxing myself in and i really just need to let it be start being yes. my person and coming into who i am yes that is that man and whatever you have to offer and especially if it's if it's genuine right yeah i don't do nothing that i don't feel comfortable doing mm -hmm. now there's of there's, there's discomfort with growth not like that but i mean like i'm not gonna do something if it's like oh, i don't really want to do that no i'm not gonna force something i'm not gonna be doing things that are not with my character not aligned with who i am but it's in reality, it's just childhood promise on 10. Yep. So think about it. As a kid, I was silly. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I was talking. I got kicked out of class. Well, now I'm getting paid to do these things that somebody would tell me stop doing. Yeah. Hosting an MCN, doing community events, doing these different things. It's stuff that I would already do. Being silly, being funny. So now I found a way to transition it on the stage. So how do I balance it now? Well, for the first time ever this past month, I hired a personal assistant. I have an actual personal assistant hey, that I manages just my schedule. I just want to say this. <laughs> I met somebody with a personal assistant, <laughs> and one day I'm going to have one. <laughs> so, but <laughs> Flex hard. <laughs> but think about all these years I've been doing all this stuff. I've never – so now I have someone who I – before Organized, I came to this interview, yeah. she texted me said, hey, don't forget you got the interview. Today. I said, no, I, I didn't forget. But now it's like, okay, hey, we're going to balance out gigs because here's the crazy thing. So since – this past month, I've now been booked for three gigs to do comedy. I've never been booked for gigs to do comedy ever. So now I have people. I love your me. journey, bro. I have people booking me, and I'm like, are you sure? People are reaching out, like, hey, uh, are you available to do? Be sure to let me know after this interview where, where these for sure, hey, bro. Yes. So yes. besides now putting on my own events once a month. Yeah, the funny uh, seamless plug. Funny on Sundays. Funny on Sundays. Um, but now I've been I've been booked to do other people, and again, not just a big homie. And one conversation I told him, I said, "Yo, I felt like I had to get from under your shadow." I love him. He supported me in everything, but I felt like only time I was doing comedy is when it was attached to him. Yeah. I said, "If you're gonna really do it, 
You can't only do it when you're around him. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work. So I had to take a leap of faith and say, let me go out here by myself and venture into these waters. So how I'm balancing now, like I said, I have a personal assistant. I'm looking at my schedule and I'm saying, okay, Monday through Friday, you know you got to be on the radio. Okay, now on weekends, you can gig and you can do comedy shows. On evenings, you can do public appearances. You can do hosting gigs here and there. So now I am trying to balance it all out and say, how many days a week am I going to do this? And also time for me, time to shut down. I just told my personal assistant two weeks ago, I said, yo, June is booked up. We're not taking anything else. I said, the first weekend in July, I need you to book me a spa day. Mm-hmm. I need to sit down. Those yeah. first couple of days in July. Get that mental I need to right, sit down. man. Yeah. I got to hit reset because yeah. next thing I know, I have another wave of stuff going on. So just trying to balance it all out, bro. And on top of that, like I said, I do nonprofit stuff. So mm-hmm. it is a lot on my plate, but mm-hmm. I'm grateful and I'm thankful because I know what it was like in that pandemic when mm-hmm. I was unemployed, mm-hmm. when I was sitting on that bench with nothing going on, not knowing where my life was going to turn. And yeah. you fast forward to three years later, now I'm blessed and I have all these different things going on. So I don't take it for granted. Child, childhood promise would be like, you better keep going, bro. Yeah. Like we used to hang up posters on the wall. Now some of these people who are on your wall, you sitting down talking to. Exactly. You're in front of these people exactly. and you're getting respect from these people. So mm-hmm. I have no choice but to keep going, not only for myself, but to be a dope representation of my city and for my family. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's amazing. And, and what we've, we've talked over this conversation, um, I always ask this question. Okay. And I feel it's the, it's the most important question out of all the questions I ask when, when conver- conversing. It's what advice would you give to our inner city youth and youth in general um, coming up in the path that you've taken? Okay. So, yeah, just what what advice would you give? Just for life or somebody trying to pursue entertainment? Let's let's do both of them. For start off with life, what what advice would you give? Um for life advice, I would just say that your circumstances and your surroundings don't define you. Yes. So, whatever it is that you may be going through in the moment, um if it is a broken home, if it is a lack of finances, it is a lack of of resources or whatever, that doesn't find you, mm-hmm. define you. Like you still have a mind, you still have a heart, and you have to see beyond your circumstances. You have you can't have black mentality. Yeah. If you have black mentality, you're only gonna see your neighborhood. You have to think and see beyond those things. You have to have an imagination. We have to be more childlike. Yeah. And if you have that imagination and you believe and you think things that can come to reality. But you also have to be careful with that because those type of things can also be detrimental. So I would just say be careful about your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Be careful about the mentality that you have. Be careful about the type of people that you're around because sometimes people can drain you. So I feel like somebody either is adding to you or they're taking away from you. And that might be your own family. That might be your own neighborhood, your own community. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to think beyond that environment and just see and want better for yourself. Even if in that moment it's unrealistic. Yes. Even if right now today it's not real, you don't have those shoes. You don't have those clothes. You don't have that food. You don't have the opportunity, but you have to think it and see it because some of these things that I'm living and doing, there were thoughts at one point, there were fantasies, there were ideas and they became reality. So your mind is powerful and you have to be careful with that mind and what you think yeah. and, that, and, and, and anything. You, you have to be careful with your mind. You have to believe and think positive thoughts and positive energy. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I would give for advice as far as just everyday life for our young people. You have to see and want more for yourself. Yeah. I, that, that right there is everything, you know. Now, career-wise, what advice would you give? 
man, you gotta work. <laughs> man, you gotta work, man. Tell him. Like, Tell him. <laughs> hey, man, you have to work because you could want a lot of things. You could listen. Talent alone is gonna get you only so far. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, and I'm a victim of it myself. When you have talent or you have a skill set, sometimes you get lazy. You feel like somebody's just going to give you the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I'm good at what I do and I'm dope. Somebody's going to see me and, 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 and come grab me and get me. Man, you'll be sitting on that bus stop. Oh, for sure. Like, because the person with less talent or the person with less skills, if they have a work ethic, they're going to drive right past you. Mm-hmm. People listen to music all the time, even some of the music that I have to play. I don't always like the music we got to play on the radio. I don't always like what's mainstream or what's current. But one thing I will say is a lot of time it's hard work and dedication. So mm-hmm. even if you think this dude can't rap or he or she is whack, if you see the type of work that they put in, yeah. just because you talented, you think you better than them, that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. You still have to work. You have to grind. You cannot be afraid of getting your hands dirty and putting in that work. Like You got to be consistent and you got to work. You have to. Like, I don't care what skill set, what talent you have, no matter what career field you are in or trying to be in, you have to work and you have to network. Yeah. And you have to take advantage of opportunities. And it's not always going to be attached or tied to some money. So if you are getting into anything and thinking that the end game is just some money, I might as well, you might as well stop right now. Mm-hmm. Because that is not going to ultimately be what's gratifying yeah we all want to make money we need to make a living but i would take opportunity over a dollar any day i'm gonna say it again i would take opportunity over money any day because opportunity can lead to money that's been a philosophy throughout this whole journey for me and relationships and networks can lead to money so be a better person than whatever it is that you want to do you should be great at what you do but you should be a better person and -hmm. when you dope at what you do and you got a work ethic and you're a good person Man, things will start falling in place for you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on here, man. I appreciate you allowing me the space, bro. Uh, man, uh, it, it has been, you have, I will say this, you have an amazing journey. Thank and you, I love how everything has lined up through, through, through the grind uh, uh, of you persistent, like being persistent with it and just not letting up. Yeah. You know? So, um, before we go, how can people contact? How can people reach you? Um, just to be more involved with what you're doing. I know you said you had a nonprofit. Let's shout out the nonprofit. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I didn't create it. I've been blessed and fortunate enough to to be on the board of directors. I'm the vice president. So shout out to the new state, um, Westside Arts Unlimited. It's a nonprofit uh, based here in Milwaukee. We have a um, a space on the near west side of Milwaukee that we are basically redeveloping. Yeah. Um, all ages music hub. So like you, you kept talking about music. We're trying to create and give something that wasn't around when we were coming mm-hmm. up. So it's going to have um, recording studios, a 400-seat theater, also a consignment store to sell the merchandise or things that the artists have. We also have an outside pocket park. Uh, for performances and for neighborhood things. And then there's also a cafe attached to it as well. And then an office space for our nonprofit. So um, I've been involved with that project for the last four years. I've been the VP for the last two. So that's something that's super important to me for the community and for the city as a whole. So yeah, that's one of the other hats that I wear. But as far as tapping in with me um, on social media, um, Instagram, I try to, I'm, I'm, I'm so anti-social with social, social media, but I got to get better, especially with everything that I do. So <laughs> on IG is promise. I promise that's promise. I promise on Instagram, um, Facebook promise, promise. Uh, I still got a Snapchat. I barely use it, but <laughs> Snapchat is promise. I promise. And then for YouTube, people want to watch some of the interviews, and some of my content. Uh, my YouTube channel is morning grind promise. Man. 
Well, I like like I said, I'm I'm honored for you to you step on, you know, share this time with me, go through who you are, show everyone a different side of you. Yeah. Um I, I, I truly feel blessed in what I'm doing with this platform because it's all the diverse backgrounds I get to to put myself like be a part of like yeah. and just really step into to people people's worlds and really get to know who they who they were and who they are and just the transition from when they started to now yeah and for sure. and where they trying to go yeah and where they trying to go um I feel man I I don't doubt the success coming your way you 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 I have this it. this type of energy that that just comes off and it, it, to me you know in every in every time that I've ran into you it's just it's been amazing man you you just you, you're you're a talented individual and there's just there's just something great about you. And Thank I you, man. I honestly can't wait to see where your your path takes you. But uh I've been a fan, gonna remain a fan, and, and um I appreciate you once again coming on here. Of course, man. Yeah. Sal salute to Spearhead and everything you are yeah. doing. This is an amazing platform. Uh it's it shows that you're selfless, yeah. right? To offer mm -hmm. up your platform to have people share their stories and their journeys because that's not an easy thing. A lot of times in this world, we're all about ourselves. Yeah. So for you to push your movement but still uh, have a situation where you're putting people in place where they can open up and tell their stories and you giving them a platform to let people know who they are and what they got going on and where they come from, that's amazing. So I yeah. salute you what you're doing. It's inspiring mm -hmm. because I do a portion of what you do but not as in-depth as what you do. Yeah. Um, and then you tapping into the city and trying to give people a look from the town and have the city know more about what's going on in, the, in our town. So yeah. I salute everything you guys are doing. This is an amazing platform and I wish you nothing but continued success hey well again glad we had this talk um appreciate those words and for now spearhead out <laughs>